Hi, I'm Todd, coming to you from the uh, Bruin Sports Library Review, and I'm going to be reviewing a book. Uh, not the whole book, but I'm just going to start with bits and pieces of it. it. It's just, it's one of those books that just, it's called Games That Change the Game, by Ron Jaworski, and uh, written with Greg Cosell. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a phenomenal book, it really is, because it takes you right inside the game, and it takes you to the point where it takes you to X and O's, and it, tell, and it tells, shows you who made the difference and who did not make the difference. Um, and it shows the game that made the difference. You know, there's there's uh, critical games out there that's been played in the NFL and have changed the landscape. You know, it's it's for for uh, you know. It's like how they, you know, it's like how they, uh, it's like how the Giants played when they played the Bears, I believe, in 34, and they wore the sneakers. And that helped with the, uh, showed how they got traction. And, uh, you know, that was, that's one of the games, that's one of the things that changed the game. But we're, I'm going to go through the, uh, I got a book here. And I got a, the book is, uh, I believe it's 300. Yeah, the book is 314 pages, and it's copyrighted as 2010 by Paul Brand of House, and I like it because of the, uh, like I said, it's, it's the reality of it. You know, you remember the games, and you like to go back and look at that, and read it, and you realize how much they saw, you know, how the evolution of the NFL. You know, it's seen on Sundays. They had seven, seven Sundays coaches. And, uh, talks about Sid Gill. Okay, he's talking about the book is concentrating on just concentrates on the seven coaches are Sid Gilman with a vertical stretch, Bud Carson, convertive cover two defense. Don Coriel, the roving Y. Bill Wallace, West Coast offense. Buddy Ryan, the 4-6 defense. Dick LeBeau, zone blitz. We got Bill Belichick. And he is responsible for the, uh, the bull eye game and, uh, the bull eye game plan. So that's what uh, I'm going to concentrate on one of the games because otherwise it's just going to drag. I think it's spreading too thin. I want to uh, I want to show you. I want you to help people learn a little bit more about this book and how much fun it is to read. And I want to uh, how good it is to be. To see this, see the changes in the game that I've been able to see since I was a little boy. Um, yeah, it's 312 pages, and uh, these coaches have patience at a game, and they uh, remember it as a game that they have a, a whole game or serves. A series of plays carried them to a victory. Being a fan that wants to uh, become more knowledgeable 
Rating up is a five. There's no cussing and swearing in it. It's, that's the hard part to believe. Do you know the game? I, you know ga I came into that, I remember anyways. Do you know the game with knowledge of the uh, why is it knowing not? An excellent read. Alright, let me start out here. Let me start off with uh, Don Coriel, The Roving Why. And I'll be. Uh, I'm just gonna pick my way through it. Uh, you know, John Coriolo, the hero Coriolo offense, was just was uh, was a lot of fun to watch in the late '70s, early '80s. And they had the big play artists, and they had the big player, big plays for uh, Kellen Winslow. He was the uh, Kellen Winslow was the tight end back then for the uh, for the Chargers, and you know. He was the guy that getting dragged off the field after the and the other sees his uniform, mud, grass stain. And he's gonna carry it out and he's gonna carry it off the field because he's just too excited about too exhausted to walk. And he still runs back in there and play and walks the field off. That's the amazing part about it. That's why that's why I love football. People, you know. Guys going to the to the, uh, to the very to the very end of their time and very very end of their fatigue and finding you know that just a little bit extra that they can push through and come up with a big play and like that big play would be this this block field goal by uh, Winslow you know and that's the thing is that you know he talks and uh, Jaworski was a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Before that, he was with the Rams. And he had a, uh, he had a good pro career. It wasn't great, it wasn't a Hall of Famer. But he knew the game and he started, and he went to ESPN as a uh, analyst. And more than, and he was more of a, uh, on ESPN more as a critique he critiqued the game. He would uh, critique the way their team was playing, to treat the injuries. And he was the guy behind the uh, scenes that, that you like to listen to because he had played the game. And you know what he was talking about because he so, so he, he explained it very well. And uh, he talks about making $27,000. And he, he's. He, he had a grandson of twenty-seven thousand dollars. He was a, a free agent with the Rams, and the uh, Eagles signed him. So it's it's tough about an agent too, and you know, the guy was in the film business. His agent was, and he was friendly with uh, the son of San Diego Chargers owner Gene Klein. He asked the Chargers if he might be interested in. Uh, Acquiring my services, and the answer was yes. This already had to be a solid young pastor and Dan Foss. Dan was about to take it, take on both the uh, players union and San Diego management in separate but equal complicated disputes. So the Chargers thought that it might be wise to look for additional quarterback help. The other team interested in signing me was the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I knew that Dick Vermeil from when he had seized the uh, 
and running back coach as a few years be a few years earlier. Throughout the 76 season, Dick was unofficially recruited, meaning through a friend of his in California, a car dealer named Ben Wells, who stayed in constant touch. After the Rams were eliminated from the playoffs, Dick was permitted to talk directly to me and pitch me hard. Ultimately, Oates Neal won, won me over because of the uh, person he is, and to be honest, I also fell in love with Philadelphia. As we know, it was a uh, I had offered basically the uh, same money and contract length by both the Chargers and the Eagles. After talking it over with my life, we decided we'd head back. We had to head back to make our new home. To make that official, the Eagles traded the uh, the rights for tight end Charlie Young to LA, and the Rams sent me right to Philly. As it looked like a trade since nobody around the league complained about it, it went through. In every meaningful way, the move was turned out to be the, uh, the best thing for me, and I have no complaints. No regrets. Maybe I don't have one. Maybe I do have one tiny regret. And I signed with San Diego, I would become a trigger man, but it's still regarded by many experts as the uh, greatest passing offense in NFL history. Paulson eventually earned out, earned out his contract differences with Gene Klein and uh, was there when Don Cordell was hired to coach the uh, San Diego in 1978. Beginning at that moment, Cordell transformed the, the Chargers into an offensive juggernaut. Any quarterback would have found would have loved to play on those teams. I still lie in bed sometimes and think about what Think about what might have been had I gone with Phil on, on, with San Diego. I look at the numbers Buzz put up, the records he shattered, and think that could have been me. Okay, so in 1978, oh, John Coriel was hired. Uh, before that was a guy of a, before that their coach, um, was pretty blonde or pretty blonde bad. And uh, what happened was too is that the Chargers went and got James Check. Well, the Rams got James. Chargers did get Rams. James Track Harris be the uh, be the backup. And it was pretty awesome as I remember I haven't been on videotape, but it's the Packers and the uh, in the Chargers, and this was the game that put them over the top and, and cleared out the. Uh, I mean, I realized that the coach they had at the time wasn't getting it done, and um, that was the thing is that you know, I think in 1978 was halfway through the season. I believe it was early October, and uh, the Packers went down there and they won 24 to three. And what happened was Willie Buchanan had three interceptions, or four interceptions. Anyways, he had, he was phenomenal that game. And, uh, he was like flypaper. It kept throwing his way, and he, 
and the ball would stick right in his hands. And you know, he returned one for a touchdown. Um, the Packers had no air offense back then, that's for sure. They were no ground offense back then either. They, quite, quite frankly, they had very little offense back then. And uh, they had Lofton, and uh, they had James Lofton, they had, uh, they had Whitehurst and Lynn Dickey, but uh, actually, David Whitehurst was pretty much on the show. Dickey was still on the uh, sidelines with an injury and broken leg. But yeah, I can I can understand having a regret about not being in a, being able to continue being a Chargers offense. You know, it was uh, during the Super Bowl season in 1980, the Eagles flew to San Diego to play the Chargers. It was the first time I got a chance to see the Air Choreo offense in person. They beat us that day to snap our eight-game winning streak, but that's not what I remember most. All right, here we go. One of the few times in my career when I didn't just sit on the bench and cluck my thoughts. Well, our offense was on the, well, our defense was on the field. I made it a point to study both in the rest of Air Coriel. They were so much fun to watch, even if they were fun at our expense. Receivability of timing and rhythm in a passing game. That Chargers team is still the best I've ever seen. I believe Coriel owes a great deal of his success in San Diego to Bud Carson's game, Steeler Curtin defense. It's dominant mandated introduction of the uh, illegal chuck or Mel Blunt rule and liberalized offensive line for blocking regulations. These major changes became part of the uh, game in 1978, right at the time Coriel was hired by the Chargers. Don may not have been the first to take advantage of these new rules, but he was the best at taking advantage of them. Several of Bob Donatello's philosophies can be traced directly to Sid Gilman, forcing opponents to defend the entire field. So, I better take a drink so I can start speaking muscularly. Yeah, Sid Gillen was an incredible coach, and uh, he uh, he played under uh, Paul Brown, and uh, you know, but uh, and Francis Schmidt, Schmidt, I believe, too. Uh, he he was incredible as a. Uh, he was so before his time, you know, it's, it's, we're talking about the uh, early 40s, we're talking about late 40s, early 50s is when he was, uh, he started getting, a, he started having a passing game. You know, it was funny because I think of the, uh, I think of the older time, I think of, you know, the, the offense wasn't much or nothing like that. Well, the offense couldn't be much because the bat, because the football is the size of a basketball. So if you want to go, Go check that out. Just take a basketball and try throwing it around. 
and uh, you know it works on it works sometimes it works but you know it's so hard to catch too you know especially when he's throwing it hard um that was the thing that was the enjoyment of uh of Sid Gilman and you know he's is how he and how he's changed the, the landscape. You know, and forcing the, he forced the defenses to play the entire field. You see that in a lot of open offenses now an open and uh for instance this Phil Phil Longo has something called the air raid. And he's taken it as a badges in what Scott has. They're down in North Carolina they had the air raid going and uh it was an incredible offense with incredible timing and uh, the spacing of the uh, offensive guards allowed for a running game. Um, it's one of the hardest. You have to play every inch in the field. There's no getting around it. You know, there's no playing. There's no getting around that as well. And that was the thing. And he didn't know how to play it because they would play they run their routes differently all the time. They had a tree route thing going. And that's why I love this book because you know, it gets right down to the fact of, you know, it's, it talks about in here where it's about forcing opponents to defend the entire field. Emphasizes quarterback pocket protection. That's huge. You got a, you got a blitz going on, it throws your passing game way out of kill. You know, and if you get the, uh, when the, when the running backs are in jail, they're picking up the uh, blitz. You know, it, it allows the, uh, the tight end to work down the field. And usually you can do this, uh, usually you can do this under uh, less pressure because they, you know, the, the passing game is on timing. So it's just like, you know, it could be a three or five step drop and get it out of there. And then Coriel and went a step further. Those liberalized games, the liberalized units, 1978 created a perfect climate in which to implement previously unseen formation shifts. Many in motion, if defenders were allowed contact only near the line of scrimmage, why not have receivers moving prior to the snap where they'd be able to, where they'd be almost impossible to, to jam? And why, why limit these, this to wide, wide house? Why not running backs or the uh, tight end as well? Motion produces another benefit. If a defender, defensive back or a linebacker rotated with moving player during the pre-snap, this was a good indication that the defense was in man-to-man -man coverage. For a sharp quarterback like Boss, knowing that this, this even before the uh, play began, was a tremendous advantage. Coriel, a longtime assistant, Ernie Zampezi, uh, looked to force his opponents into, deep, into default or basic coverage, vanilla. Defenses they knew had they, defenses they knew how to beat based on the film study. So while opposing defenses made themselves predictable, Coriel's offense was anything but. He ingenuously, ingenuously created a system of routes that relied on formation and alignment, not on the receivers themselves. Given pass plays, 
All five receivers can set up a shot anywhere in the formation. If that wasn't enough of a defensive headache, you made it worse by having Puffs pass the ball before the receiver even made his break. How can a defensive back cover the man when the throw is in a spot the receiver isn't even thinking of looking at? So, that's what they're saying. They're talking about timing. Timing of an offense is like, is, uh, can be poetry in motion. And, you know, instead of looking for a guy that is running a route, he throws you the guy where he's supposed to be. He throws you the spot where he's supposed to be. And then there's a lot less, uh, a lot less defense they can play. You, it's hard to jump a route when you don't know what's coming. You know, because the ball's in the ball's in the air before the guy even the guy even does his route. Um, he doesn't even finishes his route. And that's the thing. And that's the thing that you came to see. And uh, talk about an exciting offense and exciting players back then. And uh, you know <laughs> That's the thing is, is that this stuff is, this stuff's golden, you know, because, you know, this time of year, the football's going strong, and, you know, it's fun to watch, and, uh, you know, it says, you know, it says, all these elements made Eric Coriel very unpredictable and just about impossible to defend. At least those problems exist only against the Chargers. He's nobody else was doing this at that time. Ask former Raiders and linebacker and Bill's linebacker, Bill Villapiano, about defending against the Chargers, and he simply shakes his head. They'd run you into the ground, he says. Coriel had five receivers that were potential targets on every down, and you can't cover five receivers. It's amazing how false was coaching. Was coached to find the uh, open guy all the time, and believe me. Someone was always open. Yeah, Coriel. Coriel's a genius. Absolute genius with the passing game. And, uh, you know, and Murphy, uh, Murphy Stadium in, in San Diego, in Jack Murphy Stadium, I should say, in, in San Diego, was a hell of a nice place to play. And a hell of a good place to run that offense because, you know, you know, eight games of the year, that was not going to rain. In San Diego, and you know that this is the type of offense you can run. You can run this, and you can run this in mud too, because of the uh, suddenness. But the thing is, is that we got it on dry field. <laughs> you know, you can you're going to be able to hit. You're going to be able to run those spots pretty clean, and uh, it's a lot of fun that way. It's going to be a lot. It's a great offense. You know Nobody. Ellis had a tight end like Helen Wendell either. Hall of Famer like John Mackey, Mike Dicka, Mike Dicka, or rampaging bulls who could brawl, who could ball people over after the catch. So could Wenzel. But his skills went far beyond brute strength. Helen was a superb 
was a superb route runner, great hands, practically playing oversized wide receiver. There were other tight ends of his of his period that might have done well in Coriel's offense system. David Casper in his days with the Raiders and Cleveland's Ozzie Newsom became being two who came to mind. But they played for the played for the other teams that didn't use the tight ends as the, for the Y as position called in his playbook parlance the way the Chargers did. Coriel and Zampezi set Wonzo up anywhere on the field. They put him in motion where he couldn't get to his jam and line him up in the slot where the wide receiver or the wide be against him. Unfortunate 5 foot 11, 180 pound <laughs> corner. How on earth can that guy defend a 6 foot 5, 250 pound receiver who runs fast as fast, runs just as fast as he does? That is the classic. That is the classic mismatch NFL coaches dream about. In San Diego, mismatches like this existed on every play. Winslow wasn't the quarterback's only choice. There was a Hall of Famer, Charlie Joyner, who ran the most precise routes of any receiver in the end, in, the, in that era. And there was Johnny Jefferson, who was as athletically gifted as any target on the Chargers. JJ could stretch out and grab anything, even overthrows. The Chargers would also run the rock with 245-pound months and chuck months. You can see why opposing defensive coordinators probably lost a step preparing for San Diego. Awesome. Lost a lot of sleep preparing for San Diego. And uh, as I've said many times, if you, if you control the middle of the field, you control it game. It was, I'm sorry, as I've said many times, if you control the middle of the field, you control the game. It was Gilman Mantra, and it became Corey Ellis too. The quickest way to the goal line is a straight line. So when you send a target like Winslow down the middle, your safeties must stay home and play honest. And if you, if you then and press on both side side flanks the way the target could, you put enormous pressure on every defender. This creates advantages. This creates advantageous advantages to one on one. I can't say that word. And one on one mismatchups and against a team of talented athletes like the Chargers. That was on that was usually enough to get beat. Beyond being a brilliant tactician, <clears throat> Coriel was adored by his players, and his teams were a joy to watch. The most important thing to me about John Coriel is him as a person, said Paulus. He actually cared about us as players. A lot of the coaches don't even know who, don't even know who, uh, who made you feel important? Who made you feel like that your contribution to the meetings or the team or to the locker room was part of the deal? And we were all in this together. 
So anyways, what's going on is that, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll come back to this on next Tuesday, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff in here I'm going to go over this book. And it's just what it's going to do for you is going to make you see, especially the Badger fan, how these uh, air raid offenses come to work. And how it it has a lot of the same uh, the same abilities and the same ability to to uh, go after one defensive back. That's not that's not that's uh, not a, that's not a capable of covering that covering that area. And you know it's just it's a wonderful it's great. You just like like to watch the. Uh, this offense with great players, and then you're you're in uh, you're gonna see the uh, the almost beauty of this offense. So I'm going to uh, quote, I'm gonna mark it right here, and I want you still want to say if anybody if only so they they love you today, I do. Thanks. <laughs>